We have a new king of Gotham. This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 63, looking at Gotham Season 2, episode 12, Mr. Freeze. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. We have Butch Gilzine as the new king of Gotham. Woo! Woohoo, indeed. Butch <laughs> is back, baby. And, of course, he has aligned himself with Tabitha now. Maybe not the first thing that he wanted to do, given the drill bit spitting furiously against the knifey claw type thing. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, um, Butch is back and he is the king of gotham yeah it's great to have him introing our show as well isn't it it certainly is <laughs> it's always good to have the king of gotham introing your show but this is gotham tv podcast episode 63 where we are looking at gotham uh, episode 12 mr freeze i am one of your shivering hosts john and i'm your other freezing host derek Welcome back, Gothamites, yeah. Not as big a break in the schedule as it was for um, our friends and listeners in America. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just one single week. Uh, we go from the rise of the villains to the wrath of the villains as this second half of the season of Gotham is entitled. And of course... For all our podcasts on this second half of the season, you can find us and subscribe and review us at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can search Gotham TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher, such as Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, or Beyond Pod. Or you can send us your thoughts on any of the episodes in the second half of the season, any of our podcasts or anything else, just by sending us an email over at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Or you can join the discussion over on Twitter, where we live tweet all of the episodes over at Gotham TV Podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook and join our group, where we discuss Gotham at the UK pace by going to facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV Podcast. Uh, it'd be great to have you join us over there. Uh, obviously, this was a big weekend where we had Batman v Superman released. While we didn't get a break between episode 11 and 12 on Gotham on 5 or Channel 5 in the UK and Ireland, there is actually going to be one break of a one week. Next week uh, for episode 13 will not be shown on the 4th of April. It'll be shown on the 11th. Uh, we get one week off. Uh, in the week off, we're hoping to do our podcast about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, the movie. So if you've had a chance to go and check that out, send us your thoughts to our feedback email address at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com and hopefully we'll share your thoughts about the movie. Absolutely. We certainly won't be uh, podcasting about the two-hour Neighbours special that will be replacing Gotham uh, <laughs> Why? next week. Why is there a Neighbours special on a 10pm? I don't know. Maybe it's R-rated um, and there is murder, intrigue, sex and corruption on Ramsey Street. You think Kylie Minogue comes back for one night only? It's zombie Kylie comes back and attacks Helen Daniels, <laughs> who is still alive. No, she's not, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, Madge. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Our American, our American listeners are completely confused now as to what this is. An Australian soap opera that's taken the UK by storm during the 90s and is uh, one of Channel 5's biggest soap operas during the daytime. But uh, for some reason, a big special on next week, uh, which will be replacing Gotham. But it introduced the world to Kylie Minogue and to Jason Donovan, of course. It did. It is. Was Chris Hemsworth on... 
neighbours, or was that Home and Away? I think one of the Hemsworths was on Home and Away. Yeah. 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 But that's set by the beach and has much more uh, speedo action. <laughs> Aye. Um, well, just another another Batman v Superman news before we jump off it. Batman v Superman has been a huge success worldwide. $424 million worldwide it's made. Uh, one of the biggest grossing films of all time already. As it's only been released a few days as we're recording this podcast, uh, doing almost half a billion dollars in those couple of days. So, absolutely, uh, the most great. yeah, the most successful uh, comic book based film um, in terms of global receipts, and of course. This is very much where Hollywood and the box office are increasingly looking to um, gain revenue is to the global box office and not just as in North America it's termed the domestic box office mm-hmm. uh, for North America and in particular the USA. So it's a, a real interesting uh, change to how different markets are increasingly becoming important for revenue generation from the films. But I'm sure we will talk about that in the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice podcast Abs- special. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one more thing before we get into this episode of Gotham. Uh, while there was a huge break in the US, uh, there was also some shorts, some Gotham story shorts that were on uh, during the broadcast of the X-Files and we got the chance to catch up on those finally uh, we weren't able to watch them because there was a huge spoiler which I unfortunately uh, caught <laughs> um, when it was released uh, there was the spoiler that uh, the Penguin had in fact killed the mayor of Gotham um, in that I think it's the first line in the first of these shorts uh, but we were able to catch up on all, all four episodes it's about two minutes long 30 seconds a segment and four of them are put together up on YouTube we'll pop a link to it in our, in our show notes anyway if you have haven't seen it, uh, but yeah, it's a motion comic um, with the voices of Robin Lord Taylor, Cameron Bickendover, Ben McKenzie, um, Donald Logue, Logue, and it introduces Nathan Darrow's Mr. Freeze into the Gotham universe. John, we had a, a quick look at it at the two minutes that were there. Uh, anything that we should be taking out of it? No, it's just a, a kind of a nice segue, really, from uh, the first half of season two through to the, the second half of season two. I can understand why they put them out, it because... What there was maybe two months between that the two uh, halves of the season in, mm-hmm. in the US. So this added just a nice little bit of um, uh, further Gotham action in, in some nice little um, sort of mini episodes of of an animated comic. So um, it really just kind of uh, links the fact that Penguin is on the run. Penguin has kind of lost his mantle of King of Gotham because he's on the run, being chased down. It's the, again, showing the complexity of Jim Gordon's character with regards to the Penguin. Um, and also, as you say, introduces one of hopefully the big bads of season two, which is Mr. Freeze. I say big bad. He is a much more sympathetic Batman villain uh, than a lot of the others because of his uh, motivating factors um, to what he does and why he does it. Yeah, absolutely. Except in this particular short, he does kill about six people. He uh, freezes them to death and then they get pushed over and smashed. Um, probably but, uh, something we don't see in the episode itself. But in the credits of, of the uh, motion comic, they are 
henchman and henchmistress That's right. one and two. So maybe they deserved a little light freezing. <laughs> Absolutely. But the big thing probably that happens at the end of the, uh, the two minute short is the fact that it is Harvey Bullock and Jim Gordon that escort Oswald out of the city of Gotham and again make the deal with him that he doesn't return to Gotham, uh, that he's going to leave and will not be coming back. So quite interesting that because we do see that obviously at the beginning of this episode, episode 12, Oswald has returned to the city of Gotham. Yeah, he really doesn't care what Jim and Harvey say. <laughs> he is his own man. It's kind of get him out of a dark situation for five minutes and then he's back in the city that he wants to rule, really. Yeah, Gotham and Penguin are one in the same thing, just mm-hmm. as much as the Bat and Gotham. But I think with that, Derek, what are the production notes for this episode? <laughs> well, this episode was written again by Ken Woodruff. I say again because he's written five episodes of Gotham so far. He's written Arkham, Harvey Dent, The Scarecrow, Beasts of Prey, and Knock Knock. One of the central things with those episodes is that they do tend to introduce big characters. Uh, Scarecrow was the second half of the the Dr. Crane arc, effectively, which did introduce the the Scarecrow at the end of of those episodes. Obviously, Harvey Dent introduced Harvey Dent to... uh, to Gotham, uh, and we see him in this episode here as well. So, um, yeah, so he's quite heavily involved there. Uh, the episode was directed by Nick Copus, uh, who directed the Scarecrow episode that Ken Woodruff wrote, and also directs an uh, upcoming episode 15 of season two as well. So uh, he's becoming very involved in Gotham as well. So good to have these these central people involved in these episodes. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they got with your synopsis? Sure. With Oswald Cobblepot on the run, the inquest into Mer Galvan's death exonerates Jim Gordon, despite his lies on the stand. Even with his reputation intact, lingering suspicions remain for members of the GCPD, and in particular for Captain Barnes. However, a new investigation is quickly opened after the bizarre death of a police officer who is frozen to death. Bullock and Jim connect the killing to a body-snatching spree, Little do they know, however, that a skilled cryogenic scientist called Victor Fries has been desperately experimenting on freezing and then reanimating humans in order to freeze his terminally ill wife, Nora, until a cure for her disease is found. Meanwhile, Cobblepot is captured and backs up Jim's story to Barnes. However, he is sent to Arkham after he justifies his actions with a result of insanity. In Arkham, all is not how Copperpot intended, as the chief of psychiatry welcomes his new plaything, and Oswald becomes a patient of Hugo Strange. As the GCPD target frees as a suspect, discovering his laboratory, test subject A-16 reanimates, and Victor earns the nickname Mr. Freeze. All the unwanted notoriety puts Victor firmly in the sights of Hugo Strange, who, intrigued by the news of the successful cryogenics experiments, begins plans to recruit Freeze for Indian Hill. Huge amount going on in this episode, definitely. Yeah, I mean, two big characters introduced here in this episode. Um, you know, huge, big carryovers from um, the end of episode 11 with the death of um, Mer Galavan. With, with Jim being on the run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dealt with quite quickly, um, 
to be honest. But nonetheless, um, you know, there is this inquest. We see Harvey Dent and Captain Barnes. So there's a lot going on there as well. Yeah. Um, and then we have Cobblepot with another change in his circumstances. Um, and we have, um, you know, some really interesting things going on sort of with Ed Nigma. And obviously then we have kind of the meaningful sort of uh, backstory starting to be told here of Victor Fry's mm-hmm. and his wife Nora, who's terminally ill. Uh, we have no Alfred, we have no Bruce Wayne in That's this right, episode, yeah. but certainly a lot going on in this episode. Yeah, yeah, tons, tons. Uh, the way we cover our episodes, if this is your first time joining us, is that we talk about our top five points of the episode. Some good, some bad. We try to find a Batman 66 moment. We try to find a bullockism of the week. Uh, maybe some other Batman references that are in there. And hopefully by doing all of that, we cover all of the episode in total. Yeah, so Derek, what's your first point? My first point is the opening of the episode because it was something that we discussed in our last week's episode uh, about Jim Gordon. Is He is being brought to task and being interviewed about those murders of... Uh, the Order of St. Dumas. Uh, really good that he's showing and justifying what he did and the fact that he was using it as self-defense to take out the members of the Order of St. Dumas who had kidnapped Bruce Wayne. Uh, quite interesting that he is using that justification and effectively saying to Harvey Dent that he has no involvement at all in the death of the mayor of Gotham. So he's now lying to the chief of police and the DA of, of Gotham City, uh, telling them that he is... Uh, only involved in the uh, rescue of Bruce Wayne and then justifying the murders that he did commit, along with, as he says, Alfred Pennyworth and Selina Kyle, completely excluding Oswald Cobblepot, saying that he wasn't working alongside him, only uh, Sean Pertwee's Alfred and uh, Selina Kyle's cat. Uh, I thought that was quite interesting that he's completely cutting Oswald out of the story until he's pinning the murder of Mayor Gallivan on him. Yeah, I mean... This has huge implications for Jim's character. Mm. I mean, he is basically being self-serving and very protective of himself. Okay, I can understand that because he's throwing Oswald to the wolves Mm -hmm. by pinning it all on Oswald. Um, Whether that is to get rid of his whole friendship with with Oswald and to try and extricate himself from that... Um, tangled web that Oswald has built around Jim and, and uh, himself. Um, it's really interesting. But at the same time, he's lying directly to Barnes, directly to the DA. Again, was his moral code here? Mm. What's he doing in relation to that? He talks about honour, uh, moral code and ethics. Maybe he should tell the truth yeah. um, and, and take the punishment for his crime. So we see him get off again very lightly. I mean, I do find it quite funny with them. Um, he's reinstated. Leslie Tompkins goes, they saw the truth. Um, unlike her, she's still with him after all of this, knowing his dark side, this, um, he walks towards danger and over the precipice whenever he sees it. So it's interesting here that we also see Leslie Tompkins back with him. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can understand why again, because there is the pregnancy there mm. uh, and potential for uh, um, their child. So he has pr- uh, proposed to her as well. So there is all of that. However, this has huge implications for the character of Jim, and they have to play out in in, in Gotham. They really do. I, I think um, it would be remiss of the show not to confront these head-on and for there to be severe consequences. And it might mean 
that you know uh, Jim and and Captain Barnes really end here. Um, and I suppose that kind of brings me on to my my first point, which would be that you see that Barnes has a level of distrust for Jim. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he really is suspicious of Jim's version of events. He can believe it, obviously, up to some point because Jim is using um, elements and story, part of the story that he was involved in and is aware. But he has a lingering doubt, and you can see that. But you see it later on when um, Captain Barnes and Harvey Dent have the conversation about Jim's um, testimony at the Inquisition mm. uh, as his questioning. Do you believe Jim Gordon? And Barnes kind of says, I choose to believe his his story. Yeah. Um, but he's reticent to do that. He has doubts. And I just wonder, you know, um, that this ultimately is the start of the end for their relationship. It started off with the, you know, the backslapping, they're both jar heads, they both want um the the crime to be removed from Gotham, that to remove corruption, to bring integrity back to the force. Mm-hmm. And Jim actually has gone the absolute opposite way of all those intentions and has actively gone against his chief of police. Yeah. Um and that's what I'm saying. I think this has Massive implications. I mean, otherwise it is going to really, for me, come across as very strange if if he doesn't get locked up in Arkham or something or gets dismissed at some point. Yeah. Um, and it has to be for a while or, or or something because, like, these are real heavy um, events that this show is tackling. And to, to just dust them off lightly, I think, would be remiss of the show. Mm. And, and it would actually harm Jim Gordon's character. But yeah. I like the fact that Barnes is suspicious of Jim here because, you know, rightly so. Absolutely, yeah. It does. It does kind of speak to one of the pieces of feedback we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, where uh, one of the listeners was questioning whether Barnes is actually on the side of uh, of James Frain's Mayor Gallivan, uh, that he may have been working for him, that he was a plant within the GCPD. What we actually see here, for the first time, for definite, is that Barnes is a noble leader of the GCPD. He yeah. absolutely wants them to do the work, to be the investigators, to find and catch criminals. That's a, that is his central thought here. And now he's seeing that Jim could possibly not be on the side of good, that he could be erring on the side of the darkness. There's a great moment in this episode when he captures Oswald and brings him into the, uh, into the GCPD and all of the members of the force, they're all clapping and standing up and saying how wonderful it is that he's caught Oswald and he's going, what are you doing? Why are you clapping? Why are you some kind of cheerleaders? This is our job. This is what we're supposed to do is capture criminals. Go out and get them. You know, um, I love that for Barnes. It's uh, it's enforcing the fact that he is a totally a law enforcement officer. That is his job. And that's what he's been here to do since the beginning. Yeah, I love the fact that, as you say, we find out that Captain Barnes is absolutely on the level. And I'm going to come in with my one of my second points here, actually, which right. is <laughs> the capture of Cobblepot. And mm. um, because it, it ties in with Barnes quite nicely. You know, he wants to learn the truth of what happened in Galavan's apartment. And I mean, it kicks off as well a whole host of other things since actually Cobblepot sticks to, um, the story that Jim has also said. Um, and it, it, despite what we saw in the little motion, uh, comics, you know, despite him being told to leave Gotham, um, by Jim, by Harvey, he protects Jim Gordon. And maybe again, that's just, um, bringing Jim Gordon further and further into, um, you know, Cobblepot's 
grasp and um, hold because now this is another thing that he can hold over June. Mm. But I really think it's um really interesting capture. You know, he actually makes it crystal clear he will find out the truth. You see Jim acting very nervous in the GCPD. Absolutely. And I think what it really kicks off for me now is we had the love triangle of Jim, Barbara, and Leslie. We now have this really interesting secretive triangle of Ed Nigma, Jim Gordon, and Oswald Cobblepot. Mm -hmm. They're all um, absolutely implicit within what went down um, against Galavan. Uh, and, I mean, this will be... Jim's undoing, and I, but I like this kind of triangle of relationships now that Ed's added uh, to to this whole thing as well. It's not just um, Jim and Oswald and their friendship in inverted commas, but mm -hmm. now we have Ed, um, who is you know another um, aspect to to Jim's troubled um, moral code. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also like that Barnes's first question after. Discussing with Oswald coming back into the room to Jim is, is there anything you have to tell me, Jim? Uh, trying to see if once again he can force Jim to, to flip on Oswald or flip on himself and give him the wrong piece of information. Uh, tell him that he is actually involved in the murder of Galavan. So still quite distrustful, even though it's been corroborated now by Oswald's description of what's happened in the crime. So yeah, really, really good. Uh, you, interesting you mentioned Ed. That is my next point. Uh, just a small one about Ed and Harvey Bullock and their, their discussion. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Really big change here for Ed and in the second half of the season. Uh, going right back to, I think, the first episode, their first interaction was... Harvey basically criticizing the interpersonal skills of Ed, that he's not the kind of person that's, uh, that, that Harvey would have any time dealing with. Here we have, um, we have Harvey telling him he's a dummy, telling him he's an idiot, basically. And the reaction of Ed is great here, where he just turns around and goes, I don't like being called names. And Harvey is completely taken aback at this reaction from him. He never expected to be told off. Byam says, uh, Jim justifies it and says, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. He was probably just being colorful in, in his choice of language. Uh, but there's a definite yeah, moment absolutely. where Harvey is scared of Ed's reaction. In season one, uh, Ed Nigma would not have peeped um, at, at what Harvey had said to him at all. He would have mm. kept quiet, shrunk back um, and, and just sort of sucked it up, really, yeah, what cool. Harvey was doing. And now we see him really kind of just hold his ground, you know, he crushes the frozen rose head mm -hmm. and Harvey, yeah, is kind of like, look, I didn't mean anything uh, let's kind of move on I love how that scene then as well makes Jim ask the question of Ed about what's his relationship with with um with Oswald mm -hmm. and you you get a plausible um answer from him yeah. but one that doesn't really implicate him too deeply even though he's up to his his neck in it as well mm -hmm. you know he he just says i found him injured in the forest and i took him back and nursed him back to health yeah it it seems like the good enigma he says it was an innocent mistake um if you know that i made mm -hmm. um so it kind of probably keeps jim um off his back for a while um, but whether that's enough to uh, satisfy jim's curiosity that might get peaked even further uh, as maybe this um relationship between Ed and Oswald uh, gets deeper and deeper, yeah. which we see again when Oswald is incarcerated in the precinct. Uh, and you get that nice touch where 
Ed is asking if there's anything he can do as he's fl- flicking through the files or of the filing cabinet. Really nice little touch. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like that Ed's been left with the task of going to take care of Oswald's mother's grave and leave her lilies. Um, I like I like that there's that relationship has been developed with them. You know, uh, between the two of them, that's that's really really good. Definitely. Uh, also, I like the fact that Ed hasn't actually lied to Jim at all. He's told him exactly what happened. Uh, a little bit more honest, in fact, than Jim was when asked the questions about what happened with uh, the Order of saint Dumas and the death of, of uh, Galavan. So um, so Ed is still being quite honest, uh, even though he's ending the truth at a certain point before he implicates himself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, John, do you want to move us on to your next point? Yeah, it's the introduction of Mr. Freeze. Um, mm-hmm. Or... Victor Fries or Victor Freeze. Um, <laughs> I like how they played on the name here because it is, um, it's one of those things where you go Fries, Freeze, Freeze, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze, Professor Freeze. I mean, yeah, I, I've said them all I in, think in, you in have the actually, past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I loved how they played on the name, but a real good introduction to Mr. Freeze, to his motives. Obviously, there's Nathan Darrow, who played Edward Meacham in House of Cards. Fantastic um, in that. Loved Absolutely. his relationship with Frank Underwood. Really good actor. And he brings that sympathy to the character of Victor Freeze. He really did. Um, you know, we see him first off um, almost slightly panicked when being approached by the cop, um, but has to, to act in order to protect what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and... Like, you know, he freezes the officer and that sets the GCPD investigating these, this frozen police officer, the dead police officer. And then obviously it links in with all these snatchings where he's doing these tests of freezing and reanimating in order to, um, try and save his wife from her terminal illness. Mm. Um, so that he can freeze her and then reanimate her once there is a cure for, for her disease. It really adds to that kind of sympathetic element of, of Victor Freeze and his motives. Yes, he kills people. Yes, he frees people, but they come from a place of uh, caring, of love, up for his wife, and trying to cure and protect the woman um, who he is in love with. Yeah. And that's... Um, I thought that was really, really good. And I thought that Nathan Darrow really um, brought that side out of the character. I love the costume as well. I love the glasses that he's got on. I think it's it's really, really fits with the character. I mean, anything can be better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. This just nicely fits the world of Gotham from, mm-hmm. my, from my side. I mean, one of the things as well, just quickly... Police officers in Gotham should just not be inquisitive. They really should just <laughs> let things go. I mean, they cer- certainly shouldn't be working alone. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I was there thinking where she starts pushing him. I was like, why would you do that? Yeah. There's no reason for it. He's not, doesn't seem to be doing anything that suspicious. Like he's, he's closing the boot of his car. And she does mention that there have been some reports of missing persons in the area. Um, so she is open to investigate what's going on. But what I did love about it is this is going right back to our episode five of our podcast or six of our podcast. This is almost exactly how Mr. Freeze was introduced in Gotham Central, the original basis of the Gotham TV show. Um, really love that they've, that they've kept this, that it's effectively, um, an officer of the law that is frozen and killed by Victor Freeze while going about trying to save his wife. It's also the Mr. Freeze origin story that we know and love. They've kept it. They've kept it together and kept it exactly as it was in the comic books. I love that they're doing that. They didn't, they're not recreating it in any huge sense. There's, I'm sure there's going to be some extra elements added 
to it. It feels like um, Victor Freeze worked for Wayne Enterprises in that particular program uh, that that Lucius Fox talks about. Um, it seems like he did work for Wayne Enterprises, which I don't think is it was in the comics. I don't think it was Wayne Enterprises. Um, but I do like that they're keeping most of the connections and most of the storyline of, of Nora because I do think it's a, one of the best uh, villain, villain origin stories in the comics. Absolutely. I mean, two of the other things I really liked about his introduction, I loved the the human melting as he reanimates. Um, that was seemed to be working. He's got the, the frozen corpse on, on the table. Mm-hmm. He's, he's raising the temperature up and then just the, the effect of the human melting. Uh, really, really good. It was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. As we were watching this episode, I thought it was very funny as the body is sitting there waiting to be melted. You said, this is going to be gross. <laughs> this is going to be yeah. disgusting. I know it is. And it was probably worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, the melting of the body and the, the blood turning into goop effectively and fall into the floor. Uh, it was really well done as a as a scene and was absolutely disgusting. And this is the fourteenth body, I think he's he explains that this has happened to, you know? Yeah. And I, I like the way that actually when Nora goes down to the basement she is horrified by what he's done. Mm. Now, back in the GCPD, when she's been questioned by Harvey and Jim, she does say, I can't betray him, though. And um, He was doing it for me, and I have to retain that loyalty. Um, and plus, she doesn't actually know where he's gone anyway. But I love the fact that when she goes down, she is in shock at yeah. what she's seeing. She thought it was just being done on mice, all this freezing and reanimation. Um, but instead, it's on actual human bodies so I, I i like the fact that okay she wasn't you know she had that shock and horror about what her husband was doing but from being arrested and taken into custody by harvey you know she has gone over it and she's thought about it and she remains loyal to um her husband uh to what the intentions of what he is doing and i think that adds to the sympathy of the character mm-hmm. because ultimately she is the one who suffers um she is the one that has to be put into permanent stasis uh frozen in, in in time so that she doesn't die of her disease however we see that the pharmacist that he's frozen does uh reanimate is a successful reanimation from the use of one of his serums so that is again really interesting i love how ed enigma's there in the coroner's office uh, walking around, it, you just see the water's melting off the, the frozen hand. Yeah. And he comes back in and the body's gone. And he's kind of like looking around very sort of, you know, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> it's really a funny good. little moment as well. Yeah. Uh, some lovely touches with this version of, uh, of Victor Freeze. I like that when, uh, Nora questions Victor that about, you know, I, I do feel sorry for all those mice, um, that you're testing this on. And he looks very intently at her and says, they don't feel a thing knowing that it's humans that he's testing on, you know, and um, he is willing to do anything at all to save his wife, Nora. And there is that strong intensity in the performance of, uh, of Nathan Darrow in this, in this, in these scenes where you totally get it. You totally get why he's doing it. You know, the pharmacist, the reason why he's been frozen is because he's turned down, uh, the refill of the, of the drugs that could keep Nora alive. The other person in, in there that gets, uh, gets frozen is the security guard who takes out his gun on Victor Freeze again, stopping him from getting the drugs that his wife wants, you know, uh, some really good motivation for the, for the character as to why he goes back to them and takes them as the next victims yeah and he i mean that ultimately leads the gcpd to his door and really puts them in harm's way 
you know, they see him leaving, but he's put the frozen security guard, I think it is, on a chair. I love that crash in, and you've got the, the face just plastered through the broken windshield, <laughs> and Harvey, <laughs> like, kind of freaking out. Uh, really good. Yeah. Poor Harvey. Yeah, that did that. That's probably my uh, my Batman sixty six moment uh, until the gruesome end of the uh, security guard as he is splattered across the front of the car bonnet. But my Batman sixty six moment of the week is the fact that Mister Freeze asks the other four patrons of the pharmacist to help him carry the two frozen bodies to <laughs> yeah. the to the van. It just seems like a really unusual thing to do to ask them. It, it wasn't even at gunpoint. It was kind of I need your help. Can you help me carry these two thing two people outside? It was like as if there were. There were good neighbors in Gotham almost. I think the other thing as well that's really good about this version of Victor Freeze is that he goes to um, give himself up to say that it was him that has done all this. He feels that his motives are noble mm. and that they can be seen as sympathetic. And he goes there and you have uh, Detective Alvarez really going... Yeah, okay, whatever. We've got five <laughs> others. And he's, he's sat down with a group of others who are all claiming to be this guy who's frozen the, his victims. And of course, he sees his test subject reanimated and that makes him leave. It, it, it's that flipping on a dime, really. That moment where Mr. Freeze is born because instead of giving himself up, instead of being incarcerated, he is back out on the loose. He's made the decision this is what I have to do. He's seen a successful reanimation yeah. and that has given him hope to continue and he will save Nora. Um, but it's, it's that moment of if he had been captured or if he hadn't, it's those moments in time. And I like that they've just captured that element. I think that works with Mr. Freeze. I think he's an accidental villain and that mm -hmm. I think really helps to hammer home that point really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side, we have the intro of another villain to the wrath of the villains for Gotham. We have the, the introduction of Hugo Strange, who's definitely not an accidental villain. He's making a lot of choices here that are very, very interesting. Um, he seems to be able to convince people to do the things that he wants them to do. He seems to have a power over uh, people by using his psychiatric skills, I guess. Yeah, uh, poor Nigel. Poor Nigel. Yes, see no evil no more. See nothing anymore, really. Absolutely. Um, really interesting then. Poor Oswald, I would think, um, if he spends any more time in, in Arkham. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, uh, he looks like he's next on the list for, um, for Hugo Strange. Really good to see this character brought to life in the, in the TV show. He hasn't actually made any of the live action films in the past. Uh, we've never seen a live action version of him. He does make uh, quite a huge appearance in the, um, in the Arkham Asylum games. Um, Clearly, the connection is is there with Arkham in the, in the TV show, played by B D Wong, a very very good actor. I must say, I'm really liking him in this role so far. He does get a bit of short shrift in this episode because it is all about Mister Freeze, hence the title of the episode. But the moments that he does appear on screen, really enjoyable, really creepy. Yeah, really good. Um, I love the fact that he's viewing Oswald Cobblepot as his new toy to play with. You know, he's got his programs that he is implementing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen that with Nigel, where he's really kind of um, making his, his his presence felt. Again, he's one of these villains that's not an out-and-out -out villain. Like, he's actually a member of the establishment. Yeah. He's, head, he's the head of psychiatry at... Um, a government run or a local authority run 
um, Asylum. Yeah. It's really good to see Arkham Asylum back in the show as mm-hmm. well. But, you know, he, he's this complex villain in that he's a villain on the side of authority. It, it's something that I could really see Jim Gordon getting his back up um, over because it's like Mer Galavan. It, it, it's this evil hidden in plain sight as being good. Yeah. And I really like after the first interview that he has with Oswald Cobblepot, that, you know, as Oswald is leaving, he goes, he's got narcissism, megalomania, and an unhealthy relationship, or a former unhealthy relationship with his mom. Mm-hmm. He's already identifying the places that he can prod with his psychiatry to really begin to unpick and undo uh, Cobblepot. Yeah. I, I love the fact that Cobblepot anyway comes across as totally bonkers by walking on the table going, I am the king of Gotham. I mean, just the fact he's doing that in Arkham Asylum makes him sound absolutely insane. And the inmates think think that's the case as absolutely. well. It's like, no, I'm the king of Gotham. No, I'm the king of Gotham. <laughs> How can you be the king of Gotham? You're in Arkham. Exactly. I, I love that kind of... I, I love that play on him doing that to Satan's authority, but it's been totally undermined by where he is and how he's gotten there. Yeah. And no one ultimately really cares. And Hugo Strange points that out and says, please don't walk on the tables giving long speeches. You know, you can't do that here yeah. in Arkham. Like I do like the touch of all the security guards not actually moving at all when, when Oswald's making his speech to threaten everybody. Uh, all of the guards just stand there as if this is an occurrence every single day that somebody makes some kind of proclamation on the tables, you know, uh, really good touch. Uh, what I also like about the introduction of um, Hugo Strange is also that it's much deeper. It goes much deeper, a couple of floors deeper, in fact, into Absolutely. Indian Hill. He seems to be kind of the director of the program at Indian Hill. Uh, we hear mention of one of our favorite characters from the first half of the season, Bridget, um, the former Firefly. Uh, we hear mention of the fact that she's not being hugely cooperative with the program, so she is still alive in Indian Hill, which is interesting. wonder how many other characters we're going to see from, yeah, that from the first half of the season. Absolutely. That was a great little nod. Um, I love the fact, like any good consultant working in the public sector, he's also got a private contract with Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> um, you know, probably plays a few rounds of golf, followed by an inflated uh, paycheck uh, in the private sector, Absolutely. as well as drawing on then his public salary. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I know I love this. Um, I love this moment where he goes down in the lift and you have uh, him involved in this program. And I love just this broad smile that comes across his face when he sees that this guy, now nicknamed Mr. Freeze by the papers, um, has been successful in cryogenics and in reanimating human subjects from a deep freeze. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he's there going, I've been working at this for some time. And you can see him now wanting to recruit Victor Freeze. Yeah. And I think that is going to be really good to have these two characters together and we should learn an awful lot more about Indian Hill. Absolutely, yeah. And Miss Peabody, his uh, his second in command. Absolutely. She does seem to be very into this program. Uh, definitely. We saw her at the end of last season taking in Galavan. Uh, seemed not very surprised by having a dead body with an umbrella inside it. Uh, just said it's unusual, but didn't seem uh, shocked or scared <laughs> by that. And now she says she's been working with uh, with Bridget, uh, the Firefly. Um, so, yeah, definitely quite a central, a central character within Indian Hill as well. So looking forward to seeing more about her too. Um, yeah, really good, really good to see this character. It looks so like its comic book counterpart. Um, really did a, did a great job on the costuming for uh, for this character. Really, really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it, it, you know, it's really faithful to the, the look of the comics, um, with the, the round, uh, glasses, um, and, and also just how they, they've done the makeup and done, done his hair styling and mm-hmm. what he's wearing. Really, really good. Yeah. Cool to have BD Wong on the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Jurassic Park, um, from one mad scientist to another. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, John, I think it's about time for your final point. Yeah, mine is that Butch is back, baby, and he is the king of the criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. I love the fact we see him uh, drilling uh, the head off someone um, Yeah, again. Yeah, he has obviously slipped into his role as absolute thug and criminal uh, master quite easily and um, he's almost kind of replicating Oswald's rise as well from probably an umbrella boy for um Fish Mooney through to her like sidekick and her trusted loyal second in command yeah uh, through to again getting a setback and now uh popping up uh like roses after all the crap has gone down uh, with Galavan and here he is now head of the criminal underworld in Gotham and making an uneasy alliance with Tabitha. I'm really pleased that Tabitha showed up this early in the second half of the season. Absolutely. I thought that potentially she might just get forgotten about. Um, Gotham's a bit guilty of doing that with some of its characters. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really glad that they came back uh, with Tabitha here very early on, um, who, you know... It, I like how she kind of worms her way into uh, Butcher's affections by saying, the reason why you are King of Gotham now is because I made you free of Oswald. Mm-hmm. I reversed his mind control. Uh, and that, you know, without me, you wouldn't be where you are. Now, he still goes to sticker with the drill point at the end of his stump. Um, but... Um, you know, she stops him and gives him a little, little snog on the lips. Mm-hmm. And of course, hopefully they will work together. I could really see this working and Definitely. being a really nice kind of, um, duo in the villain world of Gotham. Absolutely. I uh, loved how they came together here. And um, it'd be interesting how Silver St. Cloud is maybe reintroduced into this. Maybe she could, she could also be part of it. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. But I like the fact that we've got Butch back. He's not been in a few of the episodes of late. Mm-hmm. He's obviously been focusing very much on Galavan and that storyline. Um, but now he's back and he is the king of Gotham. He's replaced um, Oswald. And I love the fact that Oswald is screaming it out in Arkham Asylum, looking absolutely criminally insane Mm -hmm. and here we have uh, butch just taking over the mantle of it so really cool yeah absolutely no it's great to see the two of them together this was also my final point as well Uh, great to see tabitha and butch working together great to have our introducer every week uh, being the king of gotham Uh, that's kind of that's kind of cool yeah absolutely Um, i like that this has happened Uh, drew powell told us himself that uh, that there were some big things coming for Butch Gilzine in the show that, you know, if people just thought he was a sidekick, there was going to be something huge happening for him uh, that would make the difference. This is obviously it. He is now the King of Gotham and working with Tabitha, which is great. I love Tabitha talking to Butch saying, normally I go for handsome, intelligent men, um, but I want to be your partner in crime. And you know, whatever I want, you're going to want. Uh, really like that kind of interaction between the two of them. They're going to be great together. They really are. And I, I, I would, I would loathe the being Oswald trying to take back 
the mantle of King of Gotham from the two of them. And certainly because we know that Fish Mooney is going to be back in this season, mm-hmm. just how that will all interact. It's a real kind of juicy proposition. Uh, will she see Tabitha as a threat? Will she um, be jealous of this new kind of uh, relationship? Will she be pleased that he's now the king of Gotham? Like this to me, will he still be king of Gotham when she's back? Absolutely. Or will Oswald be out of Arkham? Like how long? Or will Fish be very different if she's an Indian Hill as exactly. well? Exactly. So this is like, it sets up so many juicy kind of options that could happen moving forward. Mm-hmm. that I'm really excited for the second half of this season now. I have to say. Definitely. They've carried the standard through from the first half of season two to this first episode at least really well and um, it's pretty jam-packed i have to say yeah but it's, it's a nice introduction to the second half of the season definitely 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 jam-packed in a good way i really really liked all the stuff that we got in this episode just got one note for me for this for this episode which is my bullockism of the week as jim asks harvey uh no kiss hello no welcome back and harvey says to him my lips are too good for your lips. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love, really love that. Really good. See the partners back together. Really cool. I loved as well. I just want one note that I've got is uh, the bistro that uh, Harvey and Jim meet Lucius in seems to be the, the same uh, bistro that we saw in season one, I think in the first episode. Yeah. And you had Harvey and Jim there in the bistro. Harvey's got his Pepto-Bismol. And, of course, the MCU come in and we have detectives, uh, Rennie Montoya and Crispus Allen, Mm -hmm. coming in to kind of give them a bit of um, hard knocks over some of the work that's been done by by Harvey. I think that Jim is, is, is corrupt. And actually... They were probably right, given what's happened to Jim. So I wonder if they will come back in to make some kind of arrest once the truth is outed and maybe Captain Barnes will reinstate them. That would be, be great. That would be really good because we we do miss miss the MCU and, and we feel that this could be a really good and a real nice little way of them coming in and kind of going, well, we were right. You are a bad egg. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. That would um, be great, it? it would be very interesting to see. I suspect it won't, but nonetheless, it would be really, really cool. I can't tell now because there's so many people, so many characters that are returning from season one. Uh, I can't really tell whether it would be a shock to have the MCU back or not. It would tie things up. I'd love to see them back for one episode to have a big moment. Uh, that would be really cool if they were able to do that. Just to kind of tie the knots in the citizens of Gotham, just to have one more moment with the MCU would be really cool. And if they were the ones to take down Jim finally or to arrest him finally, that would be a, a nice touch. Uh, John, any other notes about this episode? No, um, that's all the notes and points that I've got for this episode. Excellent. Yeah, me too. Really good to be back on episode 12. We, as we mentioned, we will be having a little bit of a break just for one week uh, as episode 13 will not be airing in the UK until the 11th of April. But this episode was really good fun. Really enjoyed seeing the introduction of two of the biggest characters in the Batman comics at the moment and for the last 10 or 15 years with Hugo Strange and uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, played by two great actors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I would definitely uh, give this four frozen cadavers that are then reanimated out of five, you know, <laughs> four human melts. Um, really, really, um, this has a great 
set up for Mr. Freeze and for Hugo Strange in a smaller way. I love the fact that Jim has really sort of dug himself into an even bigger hole and he's now really being strung up by two of the big villains of the piece, Cobblepot and the Riddler, let's not forget. And we've seen how he will now react to threats from Harvey you know if Jim starts to threaten him maybe that that former respect and and friendship that he had because Jim stood by him maybe that will evaporate quite quickly Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really interesting to see that those relationships Uh, we had Indian Hill we had Tabitha and and Butch Gilzean and I love the fact that Barnes is the upstanding uh, chief of police that we wondered about uh, at the start of this season he's really shown to be um, suspicious of Jim and really wanting to do the job that ultimately Jim wanted to do um, when he arrived in Gotham and joined the GCPD in season one and how very far he has fallen from that ethical and moral tree that he planted for himself Uh, really um, potentially has huge implications for the character of Jim Gordon, for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like this episode. Yeah. A, a good four out of five, four frozen cadavers out of five. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. Uh, really good. I like the fact that Oswald is now in Arkham. We're getting Arkham back again. Wondering where Bar- Barbara is. She's just gone back into Gotham a couple of months ago now. Uh, has she been subject to Hugo Strange? Uh, really intrigued to see what happens there and how many other characters will, will Oswald meet up with within the walls of Arkham Asylum. Uh, it's a really exciting setup. Uh, we'll be back again in two weeks with uh, with the episode 13. But first, I think it's on to a little bit of feedback. Yeah, we've got some feedback here from Natalie, who says that the one of the biggest surprise of this episode is that there is actual police accountability in Gotham. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Provides an excellent segue from the first half of the season where Gordon has been subjected to the hearing uh, regarding the events of episode 11. And you have Harvey Dent conducting it and Captain Barnes uh, sitting in. Um, she goes on to say that despite Dent's grilling, Gordon sticks to his story that he wasn't involved in the death of Thea Galavan, forcing Dent to clear and reinstate him. Uh, again, she says that when Penguin is caught and brought in, he confesses to the murder of Theo Gallivan, but refuses to implicate Gordon. Barnes is stuck suspecting Gordon is probably involved with the murder of Theo Gallivan, but has no real evidence. Consistent with his character, for as the most ethical cop in Gotham, Barnes refuses to outright accuse Gordon of anything without hard evidence to back it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Really good point. It is a suspicion. It It is this kind of unease that that um Barnes really shows towards Gordon. I mean to the point that one of the things we didn't really say is where he shakes hands with Gordon in his office and he drags him immediately straight up to him and says, Don't make me look a fool. That's right. Like yeah. he, he is saying, look, okay, I'm willing to go out on a limb here and, and say that you didn't do it, that my suspicions aren't founded in real evidence, but please don't make me look a fool. And I wonder whether Jim actually will. So yeah, that's really that's true, yeah. uh really good point from from Natalie. She goes on to say that B.D. Wong as, as Hugo Strange is really good. He's really creepily and reassuringly and controlled. We saw how Strange is an evil manipulator in Arkham, getting Nigel to claw his own eyes out and even more of a mad scientist directing research 
in the underground Indian Hill lab. She goes on that she can't wait to find out his deeper agendas and motivations. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, really can't wait uh, for that as well. Yes, two floors underground are his deeper motivations. She also says in relation to Indian Hill that Firefly is still alive and spirited enough to be uncooperative with the researchers at Indian Hill. Sounds like she'll eventually make a reappearance. I mean, we certainly hope so as well. That would be very cool. We have Fire and Ice now in Gotham. Uh, It would be good to see them uh, come together in a Game of Thrones attack on the city. Uh, (laughs) You know? It'd be very cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And she says it's a good kickoff to the second half of this season. Great callbacks to the previous episodes and other parts of the past season. Um, She says that she missed Bruce and Alfred slightly, but completely understands that choice for for this episode. Um, Certainly given that there is the classic Batman villain of Victor Freeze and, and that she can forgive this lack of Bruce and Alfred because of the excellent setup for Mr. Freeze's um, heartbreaking backstory. Absolutely. Yeah, completely yeah. agree with that. Um, so, yeah. And she finally says, and Bruce probably anyway needed a little rest and reflection time after his ordeal uh, with the Order of St. Dumas yes. anyway. I presume he's off skiing in the Alps uh, at the moment, just trying to get away and trying to go to one of the uh, one of the Wayne family uh, vacation homes, to be honest. Uh, he probably does need a good old rest after the attack of the Dumas. Uh, excellent. Thank you very much for the feedback again, Natalie. Really good to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much, Natalie, for all the feedback. Um, it's really, really good. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So we have some Twitter feedback uh, for this episode. Claire Payne goes, uh, Leslie said yes and is pregnant. I had my doubts. Ooh, you lied, Jim. Uh, absolutely. Um, Jim is getting deep, deep into trouble, both with his loved ones and for his professional relationships as well. Um, Lynn Fox goes on to say, how did Jim go from by the book, Jim, to breaking laws and lies to everyone, Jim? Exactly. It's a real interesting um, character development for, for Jim Gordon. And it's one that, you know, how is he going to get pulled back from that? Is he going to go too far? Will he spend some time maybe in a prison or being reprimanded? But there has to be some kind of meaningful consequence here to really then maybe springboard Jim in a different direction. Uh, Dawn goes on, he's a total liar and a very bad one. I do hope it catches up with him at some point. Don't totally agree with you there. Um, absolutely, there has to be some kind of uh, recompense for for some of the actions that Jim Gordon is doing uh, in Gotham. Paul Edwards goes, well, that was just a cold, dark episode. Um, Media Shock UK has also said, this reminds me of the Dollmaker episodes during season one. Yeah, really, really, really kind of creepy and dark. But it's a good one for Mr. Freeze, I think. It really contrasts nicely with with just the kind of the motives that he has, definitely. Uh, and again, Claire Payne comes back and says, Gotham love removing eyeballs. Yuck. They really do. Again, the Dollmaker episodes, um, eyeballs gone. Fish Mooney has a change in eyeballs. Um, now we have Nigel uh, having his eyeballs um, removed by himself. <laughs> The suggestion implanted by Hugo Strange. And then Richard Blaze uh, also says, 
Is the Mr. Freeze storyline a tragic love story or a husband who wants full control over his wife? Imagine there is nothing wrong with Nora. Her fake illness is all down to the drugs Victor is feeding her. That's a really nice and interesting twist that Richard comes in here with. And that would be a great little twist to this story. And obviously the origin story of Mr. Freeze is pretty well known. And but it's not beyond being tweaked with uh, to maybe show a more manipulative, uh, more controlling uh, Victor Freeze um, than, than what we are, are used to. But certainly our, the recent storyline is, as Richard says, a tragic love story, one where the motives of Victor are, are more personal, more emotional, and, and connects more with the audience, I think. But this would put him down a different route, which actually I think could be really, really interesting. So thank you so much for all that uh, feedback through Twitter. Uh, we obviously live tweet uh, every episode of Gotham, which is Monday on Channel 5 in the UK and, of course, in Ireland as well. Uh, it comes on at 10 p.m. So we're around for live tweeting. Um, so definitely uh, keep your thoughts coming in. We also received a, a direct message from Paul Edwards as well. Question for the podcast, he goes, do you think Barnes has had enough of Jim's corrupt nature on the right path no matter what the cost is also can't wait to see what hugo strange brings to the show and um, on a personal note he goes thanks for bringing us this podcast long may it continue hear from you after the gotham uh, break thank you so much paul for for those thoughts um, and thank you for um being a fan of the podcast uh, you know we love doing the podcast and it's really great to hear people's feedback and discussions and really for people just to get involved themselves we're more than happy to share any of the feedback and thoughts that we get from from our listeners but yeah really hugo strange bd wong can't wait to see what he does and what he brings to hugo strange Already it's looking dark, manipulative, creepy, um, and intriguing. The idea that Victor Freeze might get called upon by Hugo Strange and his assistant to work in uh, Indian Hill, that is something that I definitely would relish. Um, I do think Barnes now is very much suspicious of Jim Gordon. Whether that he's able to um, form that relationship that they had right at the beginning between Captain Barnes and Jim, um, it'll be interesting to see. Jim is on thin ice here, pardon the pun, but like it's going to be really good for his character. I hope there's genuine consequences. So I think if it's skirted around, I think if it's just all done and dusted in a single episode, like some of the the um, outcomes in Gotham have have been done in the past. I think that will feel a bit like being shortchanged. So I hope there's real consequences for Jim. That can include his um, consequences with Leslie Tompkins, but also with Captain Barnes, and maybe even for Harvey Bullock. How much does Harvey Bullock suspect? Is he fully aware of the, the situation? He knows that Jim has um, a connection, has certain dealings with Oswald Cobblepot, but you know, how far does he know? Jim is also now aware very much of a different side of Ed Nigma. Harvey doesn't. So there's still an awful lot here that Jim is also hiding from his close detective partner in Harvey Bullock. So we can't wait to to find out more about that. So thank you so much for the, the feedback, Paul. It's really nice of you to get in touch. 
And if you want to send in your feedback, all you need to do is email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com or join us over on our Facebook group. You can just find us by going to facebook.com slash groups slash gothamtvpodcast or we obviously live tweet the episodes as they air on Channel 5 in the UK and Ireland uh, on Monday nights at 10 p.m. Just follow us on Twitter over at Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, join us over on Twitter. Please remember, subscribe and review us at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. If your preference is Android, then go to any good podcast catcher such as Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, Player FM, or Stitcher, and just search Gotham TV Podcast. Subscribe, and again, where you can, leave a review. It helps other people to find uh, the podcast. With that, I'm going to prepare a nice gin and tonic with a few ice-cold cubes to go in, uh, (laughs) just just to honour Victor Freeze, Mr. Freeze. Absolutely. As I mentioned, we will be having a break next week. Hopefully, we'll have Batman v Superman review, so send in your feedback about that as well. Otherwise, we'll talk to you in two weeks' time for our next episode of Gotham, episode 13 of season two. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.